0: it was very very different working from home way back when as you can imagine we did not have video calls we had landlines i had to fight i had to fight for a fax machine that and then (laughs) at that time the fax machines had thermal paper
1: (laughs) Uh, that's a throwback i remembered seeing those just the rolls of paper on top of the fax machine yep
0: yes 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 and you know i wore a headset and everything was phone calls
1: welcome back to the work from home forever podcast i'm your host don and today we've got eileen tanner on the show so eileen welcome to the program and please tell us about yourself
0: Hi Don, thanks for having me. My name is Eileen Tanner and I am a public relations and communications consultant and I have worked from home as an employee for uh, almost, well, 27 years. Most of that as an employee, the last seven have been as a consultant and it's been a wonderful journey.
1: (laughs) I would say, and and Eileen, that's really why I wanted to have you come on the show. I mean, so many folks started working from home because of the pandemic. So they were sort of forced to do so. Mm -hmm. And even, even in my, you know, earlier in my career, there were work from home folks, but they were largely field salespeople. So they would Mm -hmm. go see customers and then do office time. So this is really unique. I mean, having worked from home for such a long time. So can you walk us through how you started your work from home forever story?
0: Sure. So um, I worked for a fabulous PR agency called Golan and I worked in their Bellevue, Washington office and I worked on the Nintendo of America business. And uh, because that client was so huge, everybody who worked on that business only worked on that business. So we didn't have other clients, like usually like right now I have five or six or seven clients. So um, my husband at the time, we're no longer married got a really great job 200 miles from our office and from nintendo of america and so i asked if i could work from home and Golan was very supportive of it my boss i think she either didn't work fridays or she worked from home on fridays because she was a mom and so they were very supportive of it but they said you know it's really up to nintendo so they approached nintendo and nintendo said that that's fine, we'll test it out for six months. So there was a trial period, right? So I might lose my job in six months if this work from home didn't work, but it did. And I'm still working from home and I worked from home on the Nintendo business until from 1996 to 2011. And then I transitioned off Nintendo to just get different consumer product PR experience, but stayed at Golan and worked on other clients like Cliff and Company, Anschutz Entertainment Group, Cunard Cruise Lines, I can't remember what else. And I did that from 2011 to 2016. And yeah, it was very, very different working from home way back when. As you can imagine, we did not have video calls, we had landlines, I had to fight I had to fight for a fax machine that, and then at that time, the fax machines had thermal paper.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's a throwback. I remembered seeing those, just the rolls of paper on top of the fax machine. Yep. Yes,
0: yes, yes. And you know, I wore a headset and everything was phone calls, phone calls, you know, and the conference room in either at Nintendo or at Golan had, um, just speaker phones, and then they advanced and got those space phones that would sit on the center of the conference table so that they could hear better, right? So that's how I dialed into meetings. And yeah, it was, I remember getting onto AOL and it was a floppy disk that I had to put into my computer to get an AOL address. So it was very, very different to what we have now, you know? Yeah, very different. Like- Go ahead.
1: No, I, I was going to ask. So, I mean, you talked about it was very phone-centric, mm-hmm. Um, you know, fax machines. I mean, getting data around was not quick, right? And it was not super efficient. So this is kind of a silly question, but like from your standpoint, how much have the expectations changed because of, you know, you and I are seeing each other now when we're thousands of miles away, I'm sure we can share documents immediately, you know, almost Immediately compared to if you think back to your fax machine days, right? Like, l- you know, let me program it in, it'll send it out and it may print out in, you know, two, three minutes. I mean, it, there's a sense of immediacy now that wasn't there then. So, can you talk about like how that work expectation has changed as technology has changed?
0: Well, I'm going to go back a little further. I remember because I still lived in Seattle. So, this was in the 90s. I believe it was at intel there was a change in the ceo and i read an article in the wall street journal it might not have been intel so a big company that we all knew and the ceo was stepping down you know just retiring or whatever and he said that what had changed was how fast he has to make a multi-million dollar decision so imagine that was in the 90s now imagine how fast we are with every bit of communication But we have the tools now, right? I can do things much quicker, but it seems like the slower pace meant like I used to put things in the mail to reporters, right? We would mail them press releases and stuff, and then I would call them. And so it was a much longer time. Now I'll email them in the morning and they'll post a story in the afternoon, right? They'll interview a client, you know, it's, it's so much, everything's so much faster, but we also have the tools to make it faster. I'm not making multi-million dollar decisions, but everything is just, it's just so much faster, done quicker.
1: I'm not in PR, so I don't really know the that world. But, you know, if you think about it, the 24-hour news cycle, you know, I grew up in the 80s in the Midwest where we had channel 2579, yeah, the PBS channel, and then something in the 30s, right? And that was it, like if you didn't have cable. So, compared to now, we're like, everything's immediate, you know, I go on my phone, I refresh and like, what's the new headline this hour or two hours? Right, right. From your perspective, like, how? Is that better? Is it? Is it worse? I mean, was it? And we're comparing different different times, right? But like, is it uh, is that instant notification? Is that I don't know. How, how, what's your perspective on that's that?
0: That's such a big question, you know, yeah. we could go so deep into that. Sure. So I'm going to keep it a, you know, focused in terms of PR. But it used to be if you wanted to bury some news, you would send your press release out on a Friday, right? Because everybody's winding down. They're not going to look at it. They're not going to have time to get a story up. So that's how you buried your news. Nowadays, that's not necessarily so, right? I just had a reporter at a major, big daily paper tell me when he's available to talk to my client, and one of the days he included was Saturday. Wow! And I was just like, "Wow, okay, you know, I'll I'll be happy to join the call on a Saturday. Not that I want to, but you know, it's almost like there's no line anymore, right? It's always on and." we can send things out on a Friday and it doesn't get buried, right? We can send things out on a Sunday and it's not gonna necessarily get buried because it's always on. But it it seems like, however, even though there's so much more news organizations out there from you know bloggers and podcasts like this one and the, the traditional news, it's harder to get coverage. It's not easier. And mm. it's because these newsrooms This could be a total podcast on its own. But at a newsroom, it used to be there was the parenting writer, the travel writer, several food writers, several entertainment writers, the business reporter, and then all the different beats. There'd be a different reporter for every beat. And you know, whatever section, there were several reporters. Well, now one reporter might be doing all the business stories. One reporter might be covering food, parenting, entertainment. So you can't get all your stories written because that reporter just doesn't have the bandwidth to do it, even if it's a good story. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I can keep going on the whole idea that now reporters have to get people to click on their stories. Right. So, Oh, is that
1: a criteria now? I mean, I figured you crank out the work. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, you, journalists need to have reporters clicking on their stories, you know, so, You've got to think about is this story going to get someone to click it when they're in my news site?
1: Wow. So we go from actual reporting and news to a clickbait type of a uh, environment.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, kinda. I mean, it's you know, you're not gonna get that with all the reputable places. I mean, sure. They still have to keep that in mind, but they're still looking at it. Is this a good news story first? But then they need they want people to be clicking on it. Yeah. Just how things have changed in yeah. Yeah. Actually. Years. So it,
1: it's funny. Um, You know, so we're recording this about a week before Thanksgiving in the U S and I'd heard in the past that that Thanksgiving holiday week, right. It's like a four day week typically for, for people in the U S that's where a lot of high profile divorces and news just sort of gets published right during that weekend separations, because I guess traditionally that's where it used to be a slower news news channel, you know, time and sort of gets buried in that. So, and then, you know, it's, it's funny just coming up from the conversation, we just had a couple, you know, last couple of minutes here about how it's on, there is no downtime anymore.
0: Yeah, there is no downtime. And for, in my career in PR, I was always in consumer products. So you can imagine with Nintendo, we were slammed the week of Thanksgiving. Sure. Because Black Friday was coming, right? And, you know, they wanted images of our distribution center and video we'd always have people out there i remember talking to KMX and the other talk news station in la in my robe on thanksgiving day i did an interview because who was i going to get from nintendo on <laughs> thanksgiving <Right>. day <laughs> to do an interview so i don't know that it's it's uh at least in my career that was not a slow time because Got you it. know we were trying to sell products and it was black friday yep yeah
1: so you talked a little bit about how you made the transition from in-office work to remote work back in, uh, in 1996, you went into detail about how the process went when you talked to your bosses, but can you think back to that and just think about like, how did you have that internal conversation? I think you said with your, your spouse at the time, you know, was it a big pros and cons list? Was it, you know, a big negotiation? Was it like, no, no, this is what we need to do. I mean, can you think back and just say like, How did you arrive at that decision?
0: Well, when my husband and I lived in Los Angeles, he was very unhappy in his job. So, when I had the opportunity to move us back to Washington because Golan got the Nintendo business and I asked to be on it. Side note is probably why I'm still living and breathing today because I worked on the Yamaha Motorsports account and they were getting a motorcycle ready for me. Can you imagine me driving a motorcycle (laughs) in Southern California? I probably would have not been here today. So I traded in the motorcycle for a Super NES and got us up to Seattle. And the I had a great job. I love my job. So his number one priority was to get a job that he loved because it's hard to live with someone when they hate their job, right? And it wasn't yep. like our you know, it was just a challenge for him and it makes it, it just makes it a struggle. So he didn't have any luck in Seattle finding a job that he would really like, but he found a job in this small town that we live in now outside of Seattle. So I just said, we got to go for it. And, you know, let's just see what happens. It wasn't a pros and cons. It was like, we needed a two-income house and we wanted to start a family and, and it was our hometown. And so we moved back. And funny enough, a lot of our friends were shocked that we came back, especially because of me, because I'm very much like the city. I would have lived in New York if I could have, but we came back and it's been, a you know, I, I love living here, but there wasn't a big pros and cons. It was more like, you know, we have to do this and hopefully I'll get to keep my job too. So okay. I, that might not have been the best way to do it, but we had no choice. He needed this job.
1: Yep, no, yeah. it's 100% makes sense, right? It's It's gotta be a family decision, so totally yeah. get it. Yeah. Now, thinking back to your your colleagues, right? I mean, I know we're kind of just doing the full circle of look, mm-hmm. different uh, perspectives. So understand the, the family dynamic, understand, getting the buy-in from Nintendo and and your stakeholders, but did you face any pushback or resentment from colleagues who were in office and they're saying, oh, well, Eileen's here, she's getting a chance to work remotely. And here we've got to come into the office. Like what kind of resentment, what kind of feedback did you get from your colleagues?
0: Yeah. So I don't remember, and maybe it just never got to my ears, but I never remember hearing or feeling like the, my colleagues resented me for this opportunity. It might be because the Nintendo business was run from LA, but we had a few folks, including me in the Bellevue office. So which was much smaller, I think it was like five of us. So when I went to work from home, the people in LA, it was not a big deal, right? That was where the majority of the team was because I was already remote. I mean, all five of us were in a different office. And we were really close to nintendo so we were i was at nintendo all the time so i think that when i moved from home the people in the seattle office were happy for me because they were all parents almost all of them were all parents already and the la team it was not a difference for them right so but i have to tell you It was very nerve wracking when Nintendo said, we'll give you six months, because that meant I wasn't going to have a job. And working at Golan was a great job with a great salary and great opportunity, which I wouldn't have been able to replicate in our small town, right? You know, it would have been a very different type of job for me with a much different salary. So they gave me six months. And after three months, they said, there's no problem with Eileen working from home. It's working great. And I think what it was, and this is going to make you laugh, we were at SeaTac Airport with executives from Nintendo. I bet you we were flying to New York. And of course, I was in the airport with them. And we were just waiting to board. And I had to call a reporter at Time Magazine. I believe this was when the Nintendo 64 was launching. Actually, I know it was. And Super Mario 64. And... I was talking to the reporter at Time Magazine, kind of pitching them to do this story about the launch. And I know the head of marketing could hear me. And I'm I'm pretty sure this is why he said Eileen could do her job from anywhere, because on that payphone, he heard me pitch that journalist. And clients never get to hear you have these conversations. And I remember reiterating to him what Howard Lincoln, the head of Nintendo, or chairman of Nintendo at the time, had said that Mr. Miyamoto, who's the man who created Mario, is like the Spielberg of video games. So I'm on the phone with this Time Magazine reporter and I'm like, you know, Mr. Miyamoto, he's like the Spielberg of video games. Blah, 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 blah. The reporter wants to do the story. The story happens, a big, I think it might, was a cover, the launch of Nintendo 64, and there was a, a sidebar, the Spielberg of video games. Sweet. Which is Howard That's, Lincoln's yeah. tagline, which I then reiterated. and. The marketing the head of marketing overheard me. And I really think that's what he, when he decided that Eileen could do her job from anywhere, cause there she was on a payphone at the airport, securing a cover story. So
1: that's yeah. awesome. No, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, well, and I think, I think the fact that you just sort of doubled down, bet on yourself. I think you said they stated six months, right? And it sounds like this took place three months into your remote, uh, your remote work. So mm-hmm. great for you.
0: Yeah, it was we're probably going to get into this, but it seems like a great time to bring it up now is when I went to work from home, I had to do everything to prove that this could work, right? Mm -hmm. I had to work hard, harder to make sure every everybody knew it worked, I had to always be present. I responded to emails so dang fast. I picked up every call or I called you back immediately. I never left my office. One thing I would do is fold laundry while on a meeting because then you're not distracted by emails. So I would fold laundry and participate in a meeting. That was the Mm -hmm. only time that I literally stayed at my desk during all working hours and worked. I didn't go for walks or anything because I wanted them to know that because they couldn't see me, right? They couldn't, you know, back in the day, it was, if you got in early and left late, you're an awesome employee, right? Right,
1: right. Because
0: that's so. I could have. I did do that. I was an early I'm a morning person. I was always in early and I would stay late, which is so different now, which I'm thankful for. So now I was coming in early and staying late, but they couldn't see me. So how would they know I was working? So that's why I was always visible on email at every meeting. I would talk. I would say at least something. I used to joke that I was going to have a standee of myself made and put it down in the conference room in L.A. So they could at least <laughs> see me in there. Like but, a
1: cutout, just put you in the yeah, uh, conference yeah, room. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now they call them fat heads, right? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it was hard. It was hard. Cause I always had to constantly prove that I can do this right. And I can be successful and, and well, I don't think that you have to do that so much today, at least in, in my.
1: No, I, I agree. I think people understand that it's remote work offers people flexibility, but it, it also doesn't take away the accountability, right? You still need to get your work done. Whereas I think when you started off, it was not a very common function, Mm -hmm. especially in a, you know, like I said, probably in a non sales role, Mm -hmm. um, non field sales type role where you needed to overcompensate. So I can only imagine, you know, like, do you feel like it took a toll on you? You know, like, you kind of felt like you needed to be plugged in seven to seven to six every day in front of your laptop ready to answer emails? Like, do you think it it took a toll on you from that standpoint?
0: It did. So I don't, I'm not very good at work-life balance, even to this day. And so then when I went on to have children, my mode of operation was in the morning, I was mommy and did all the morning stuff. Working at home, I was blessed to have a nanny come in. So I was at home, I could be, you know, see the kids, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I would work all day and then I would turn into mommy again. And after the kids went to bed, I would work. And sometimes I would work till one in the morning. Part of that is the nature of this job of being in PR, the nature of working on a huge demanding client like Nintendo and the role I played at that time. So it took a toll and I traveled a lot, which I love. But it took a toll now that my kids are grown and although they're wonderful and we all have a great relationship, I always think, I do it to my dog to this day. The dog wants pet and I'm like, oh, I just need to get this done, back to my computer. And I remember looking at the kids went, I want to talk to you, let mommy finish this email. You know what I mean? It was That was hard, that was hard. And you know, missing, like I will never forget flying back from somewhere and literally having to go right to the kindergarten Party in the cafeteria at the school. I literally landed, drove, still stunk like an airport, and then had to be involved in whatever the thing was my little one was doing at the time. But that's not unusual to me. It's not unusual to working from home, other than I just didn't want to miss a beat. So they always knew that I was working and making things happen just as if I was in the office.
1: Sure. Imagine if you didn't have that time at home. Cause I mean, there's still plenty of times where they were still able to see you and connect with you. Imagine uh, if you had to do, you know, an I don't know, an hour and a half long LA commute is not unusual. And then you went back, you know, and, and had a time with them, but then maybe were frustrated because you had a deadline to meet. Like so I wouldn't say, you know, don't beat yourself up, right? I mean, I think he still had a lot of those opportunities to be with them, even, even probably the little moments that, you know, they cling on to and those memories with them. So. Um, oh, 100%. Think, you're
0: yeah. at, Don, you are so right. Because I didn't have to get ready in the morning and just wake them up and say bye-bye and drive off to work and then come home after dinner, right? I was, I'm making dinner. I was making lunches mm. in the morning and I got to be with them. And when they came home from school, I, at one point, I started blocking the hour that the school hour return from school hour so that I didn't have any meetings and they could come and talk to me. So, working from home and being a mother was a wonderful, wonderful for me. Yeah, yeah.
1: 100%. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Hey there, work from home forever fans. It's Don, your friendly host. If you're as passionate about the show and remote work as we are, we've got something special for you, our exclusive merch. Explore the fantastic collection at wfhforever.com slash shop, featuring a range of official goodies curated by the Work From Home Forever team. Not only do these items let you showcase your love for remote work, but they also make fantastic gifts for your virtual teammates. Plus every purchase goes a long way in supporting the show. We've teamed up with Etsy to fulfill your orders, ensuring a seamless and trustworthy shopping experience. Head over to wfhforever.com shop now, discover the perfect style for you, and thank you for being a part of our community. Now, let's dive back into our exciting episode. You noted that one of the trade-offs you experienced with remote work was a slower climb up the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. So do you feel your experience would be different today given the wider acceptance of remote work across numerous organizations and industries?
0: Yes. I think today working from home doesn't mean you've cut your career short anymore. I think you can still you know, climb the ladder, if you will, or get into those roles you want to get into because working from home is much more acceptable. And nowadays, at least how I think and many people I work with, it's almost like we don't care when you work, as long as you're in all the meetings you need to be in, you're responding to emails and phone calls, if there are any, in a timely manner, and you're meeting all your deadlines. You know, if you have to go off in the middle of the day to spend the afternoon at your kid's school or whatever, I I don't care because it doesn't impact anything if you're doing all that other stuff. But when I was working from home, I was blessed to have an amazing boss. She's still my friend today. Her name is Allison. I could not have done it. I could not have grown and kept advancing in my career without her because she was in the office going to bat for me all the time, supporting me, getting me raises, getting me promotions pointing out all the work that I do, the successes I've had, why I deserve that. She was really really amazing in making that happen for me. But had I not worked from home, my trajectory would have been because this is how off, how it is in an agency quite often, is you go to another agency and you get you are promoted to a higher role and you work in that agency for a few years and you might even go to another one. And that's one way to work yourself up. And what my goal was is to do a couple agencies, grow, 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 and then go in-house, right? Because we always think of the in-house job as the cush job, because then you have mm-hmm. an agency that reports for you. I don't know if that's actually accurate. But what happened for me is I worked from home and a friend said one time, a long time ago, she said, they've got golden handcuffs on. And they did because, you know, working on Nintendo was awesome. It was challenging. It was huge. It was tons of opportunities but tons of stress and i made a good salary and i got to work from home how on earth could i leave that so i was at Golan from 1989 to 2016. one agency Mm -hmm. one agency which is unheard of in the pr world yeah so i think working from home makes it's much easier now to grow in your career to seek new jobs like go from agency to agency and still work from home it's so much more acceptable, which it should be. It should be. And, yeah, I don't think it's as near as difficult to climb or grow in your career as it was when I first started working from home. And the mindset was very different.
1: yeah, the the concept of uh, golden handcuffs is is interesting, right? Because on one hand, you're valued and you've got you built up all this like internal equity that people know you, people know that count on you, key projects are coming your way. Uh, you're compensated and taken care of well. And, and on top of that, you have this ability to manage your, your work life, you know, work from, from home. You can, tr- you choose to travel if you want to, mm-hmm. if, if it needs to make it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a pretty interesting concept, right? I mean, I, I think the golden handcuffs also exist in, you know, corporate world where they just keep throwing whatever long-term plans or whatnot that have to vest and you just sort of feel like you're stuck. Right. Because why yeah. would I, why would I leave, but at the same time if it's uh, as long as you're rewarded well and you feel good about what you're doing and
0: yeah um... i did want to leave though there were times when i wanted to leave i wanted a new job i wanted to work somewhere else and i looked locally but this is um the big companies here one of the biggest i don't know if it still is is a you know they have government contracts it's different completely different type of atmosphere mm-hmm. than i wanted to be in so I just, there was no place for me to go.
1: Yep. Got it. So you talked about you're not very good at work-life balance. (laughs) Um, So we we covered that piece. But one of the things I wanted to touch on was some of the recent articles have talked about the increasing loneliness epidemic. Mm -hmm. And there's links to remote work and remote work amplifying that feeling of isolation for people. Mm -hmm. So how have you managed that feeling of loneliness in in your remote work career?
0: Yeah, that's a really important topic that should be discussed. I handled it well now it's much easier, right? And I work part time I consult with a PR agency called zebra partners that has never been, they've always been remote in the 15 years they've been in existence, they've been a remote agency, and they have it dialed in in terms of building culture and helping employees not feel lonely. And we do that in so many ways. We might play Cadoodle or Caboodle or something in a meeting, right? Or like last month, we had a whole month long game of bingo, right? We have Halloween parties. We have holiday parties. We're doing Elfster and a gift exchange. And then we use teams with all these channels. And of course, there's all the work channels, but then there's one called Dazzle. And that's for fun quirky things and then there's the washington state channel for all of us in washington and you know we can all just put like all sorts of stuff on there uh, with memes and emojis and ai like changing how we look via ai it's really much more connected right when with all of the tools we have now to stay connected And like my husband now works from home, so that really helps. And I know that some of the folks that work on our team, their partners are also at home. And some of these people that I work with have never done anything but work from home since they graduated from college. So that's their only experience. And some of them have partners that live with them that work from home. But I haven't heard them talk about feeling lonely. And I don't know if it's because they're so digitally Focus like they've been that way their whole life, that they use those tools seamlessly and they don't feel loneliness. But one thing that I don't know if people think about, and this was again, well, still to this day, it's hard to, you make friends at work, you go out after work. The next thing you know, you and your, you know, everybody's partners are getting together on the weekend. And the next thing you know, you have your friend group and you they introduce you to more of their friends and you introduce them to more of your friends. When you work from home and everybody's in a different community, like I have a friend that I work with and all we wanna do is live near each other so we can hang out. But okay. we, we can't, right? Mm-hmm. And so we all have little side conversations, totally personal, like we're girlfriends chatting. But it's, it's during work hours, right? So on the side with Slack or something, we're, we're texting. But it's hard to build friend groups, right? If you work from home and, you know, if your friends aren't in the same town as you are the friends that you grew up with or went to school with. So I think that's another uniqueness about working from home. When you start young is building that friend group that's in real life.
1: Yeah. And actually that dovetails perfectly into another question. We, we've asked it in the past for, um, the rapid fire questions, but from your perspective, what impact will remote work have on early career professionals and their long-term outlook on careers? If mentorship is conducted largely through these online platforms, you know, Teams, Zoom, Slack.
0: I think with all the tools that we have today, to utilize to work from home, that there shouldn't be a problem with managing and mentoring your team from afar. I think if you have a good supervisor or mentor that is really committed to best practices and using the tools at hand to do it, they can properly manage and help their team or their the people that they manage grow. I think there's just so many benefits to working from home that Good managers should be able to successfully grow their employees remotely, just as they did in person.
1: Now that is beautifully said. And I think it's a, a great place to kind of wrap up, you know, where our, 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 discussion here, so Eileen, thank you so much. I do have a couple more rapid fire questions. Okay. Time.
0: <laughs> you sure.
1: Okay. Uh, question number one, what did you learn from your first boss that helped You shape your career
0: what did i learn from allison i learned that you can that you always have to be a good person you know there's no backstabbing there's no underhanded stuff to having success in your career she was just a good human and she demonstrated that every day in her work life that i witnessed and you know she was very uh respectful and gracious. And I mean, she had to give me reviews that weren't always the best, but she did it in a very thoughtful, caring way, and then helped me grow. Right. So I just learned from her that being, you know, a good person in the workplace is you can have success, right? You don't have to be the I've had those people in my life too. the people doing the underhanded stuff. Right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Wow, so I hope Allison gets to hear this. I mean, it sounds. Well, like, I'm going to uh, send it to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. like the <laughs> second mention it. of her, and it's all glowing and great. It's like it sounds like everyone needs an Allison in their life. They too. do.
0: They. Oh my God! As your friend, as your boss or colleague, you need an Allison for sure.
1: Wow. Well, hello, Allison. When she hears this, I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> she sounds like a, a great person. I'd love to meet her, but but no, that's that's perfect. Thank you. Number two, what's one thing employers do that demotivates their employees?
0: Mm. Oh, gosh, that demotivates them. Mm. You know, uh, unrealistic expectations is demotivating, not having grace when somebody just needs to be away from the office. You know, PR is a very stressful job. It's very fast paced. Everything is always like super important and it's, you know, has to be done immediately. And, sometimes people just need a break, even if it's just for two hours to go on a walk and to not allow that I think is very demotivating. Negativity is very demotivating. And, um, I actually, when I went to work on my own, one of the things I wrote down was I wasn't going to work for bad people. I, I did that. I had to work for a client and they were just bad humans. And I'm fortunate that I don't have to do that anymore. But yeah, being negative and not having grace, I think, is very demotivating.
1: I love that comment about choosing, you know, who you work for and not in and, and knowing that your values and I don't want to work for bad people. I don't want to right. I don't want to do good work for bad people. I think that is I love that.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: All right. Question number three is AI stifling creativity?
0: No, it's not. AI should not take over uh, writing from writers or authors or anything like that. They should not take over from artists or any sort of creative person. But AI is a great way. Okay, in the PR world, I'll need a headline just for my subject line, right? So it can help me And it never gives me the exact one but it goes ah okay and then i can write a good subject line or i need a good quote to put in a press release so and i never put confidential stuff in so if it's i don't put names and companies i just put the essence and it'll do a quote and then you have to edit it but it's like a it's a it's like your first draft right it's like a first draft and then you edit it but i do think Uh, we have to be very careful. Like you can't use AI to draft anything. You can only use it as a rough draft, right? It can't be your final. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it can't replace humans. You know, we have to, I like my son, (laughs) my son should write a sitcom or be a writer for SNL. And I want those roles to always be there. I never want that to be taken over from, by a bot or an AI.
1: Okay, good. Yeah. I can't imagine what, uh, what SNL would look like without, you know, they
0: should so. do one, they, they, should, they, they should do a fully AI SNL and see if they get any laughs, huh. I mean, they get laughs if they told everybody that this was AI, but if they didn't tell anybody, like, what would that look like? It would be an interesting experiment.
1: So I, I know we were kind of sharing about podcasts
0: mm-hmm.
1: earlier. So I don't know if you listened to NPR's planet money.
0: Oh, I have not recently, but I have.
1: Okay. Well, so a couple of months back, they did like a three episode series. It, it basically culminated into a full episode that was fully generated with AI. It uh, took a fully audio generated AI from one of their like longstanding hosts where they full content, full voice uh, was done through AI. So it was super interesting. Uh, Mm. I would check it out if- if, uh, I'm going to. Yeah, it was uh, probably four or five months ago they did uh, a whole series on AI. It was probably three or four episodes. It was was brilliant, but uh, scary at the same time.
0: Yeah, 100%. Wow, I will listen to that. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Final rapid fire question. So in three words, how would you describe your workplace persona?
0: motivating energetic positive
1: perfect <laughs> did that I, work i mean no i i My
0: persona i think is that's how people would perceive me yeah motivating, yeah. energetic and positive
1: and i would say it comes off on the show too so <laughs> thank you eileen thank you so much for your time i appreciate all the time you spent with us how can people get a hold of you if they want to find out more or work with you on some Public relations opportunities?
0: Well, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn, or that would probably be the best place. Find me on LinkedIn.
1: Perfect. Well, okay. we will link to your LinkedIn and uh, make sure that people get a hold of you. And thanks again so much for spending time with us today. Really enjoy the conversation.
0: Thank you, Don. I did do as well. Have a good one.
1: Thank you. Take care.